We're not going to start out with a particular text this morning. What I'd like to do today is speak on the subject of reflecting on the first Armistice Day observance. But Veterans Day was formally called Armistice Day. This was a time when every schoolboy and girl learned Armistice Day marked the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of 1918 when the guns of World War I ceased firing. There were over 4.7 million American participants in that war, with more than 116,000 killed in action. One of every 22 Americans had worn a military uniform in the war to end all wars. The impact was felt in every community of the nation, and it was only natural that the anniversary of the signing of the armistice should be a special occasion, which we recognize today as Veterans Day. President Woodrow Wilson expressed the meaning of the first armistice anniversary in these words. And this is a quote from his speech on that day. To us in America, the reflections of Armistice Day will be filled with the solemn pride in the heroism of those who died in the country's service and with gratitude for the victory both because of the thing from which it has freed us and because of the opportunity it has given America to show her sympathy with peace and justice in the councils of the nations. Certainly this was a devastating war. There was great loss on both sides of the battlefield as a result of this. It has been called, as we stated, the war to end all wars. Unfortunately, that's not exactly true. It has been reported that the signing of the papers at the end of World War I unofficially marked the beginning of World War II because Germany was so unhappy about what they were forced to agree to in that treaty. Whatever the case, that war was not the last. We see our nation continuing to deal with conflicts, wars around the world. But I'd like to call your attention to the fact that a greater war than this was waged that most of the world's population fails to recognize. I'm speaking of the conflict, if you will, between God and Satan, between heaven and hell, between good and evil, between righteousness and unrighteousness. Although that battle has been won and the outcome has already been determined, the effects of this war are still at work today. Satan is a defeated foe, and we can be thankful for that. However, he continues to stir up skirmishes across the land with the intent to damn as many souls as is possible that he might do as much harm to the cause of Christ as he can. The fact is, the battlefield of the world and the prize of this battle is the souls of all mankind. Now, you might ask, if Satan's already defeated, how can he still harm others? I can refer to a story from the moment of the life of Audie Murphy. Audie Murphy was the most decorated American soldier of World War II. He and his closest friend, PFC Laddie Tipton, were using grenades and carbon fire to force the surrender of a German machine gun nest. One of the enemy gunners raised a white handkerchief, a token of surrender in any language on any battlefield. 
Laddie Tipton jumped out of the foxhole to survey the situation and immediately gunfire came from that position, hitting him in the chest and killing him instantly. Angered by their treachery, Audie Murphy hurled more grenades into the nest, killing the men who faked their surrender. He took their MG-42 machine gun and advanced up the hill and wiped out the remaining machine gun positions in the area. For that, he received the Distinguished Service Cross. But later made this statement, Laddie, who was the bravest man I ever knew, won only death for himself. Just as those soldiers' trickery was intended to harm their captors, Satan today, through his trickery and evil intent, deceives billions of souls in the attempt to catch them off guard with the hope of costing them a home in heaven. He has been defeated and has been received a fatal blow, if you will, on the cross of Calvary and at the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God that Christ came forth with the keys of death, hell, and the grave when he rose from the dead. However, Satan, even though his demise has been laid out in Scripture, still continues to attack the masses. And today, what I'd like for us to consider are the similarities between that first Armistice Day observance and our role as believers in Christ and soldiers of the cross. President Wilson's address pointed out three areas in uh, in his remarks. uh, He referred to the past and its observance to remember the price that was paid in the conflict. Present would be to reveal our pleasure after the conflict and the future observance to recognize the prospects that came out of that conflict. I'd like us to look at those three things this morning. So starting out, notice the first thought here. He stated to us in America, the reflections of Armistice Day will be filled with solemn pride in the heroism of those who died in the country's service. Armistice Day was intended to look back at a time toward those who have served in their their respective military positions. Today, remembering the deeds cast by the spirit of the American soldier. As we said, over 116,000 soldiers died in that conflict with another 205,000 wounded. When you consider the combined military and civilian numbers of the Allied forces, over 9 million dead and almost 13 million wounded. Those are horrific numbers. But then when you combine them with the enemy forces and their statistics, over 16.5 million dead and another 21 million wounded. It's no wonder this was called the war to end all wars. The fact of the matter is every victory won comes with a price. And there was a great price that was paid throughout World War I in human life and casualties, as is the case with every war to follow. That armistice and now Veterans Day commemorates the price that was paid by men and women who served this nation Not only to provide us with the freedoms that we enjoy today, but also to preserve those freedoms. As great a sacrifice as that was, it falls short of the sacrifice the God of heaven made 
when he allowed his son, Jesus Christ, to be born into this world and thus eventually go to the cross and die for the sins of mankind. The price that was paid that day is recorded in John chapter 3, verse 16, wherein the scripture says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Yes, what a wondrous gift that was to all mankind. But... We talk about salvation being free, and certainly it is. For the scripture declares, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. John 3.36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. We are grateful for this free gift of salvation that's offered to whosoever will. But it did come at great cost, for it cost the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, our lovely Savior, the lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the God of heaven, Jesus Christ, the pearl of great price, was offered on Calvary's tree that we in turn might have this gift offered to us. What cost it was, but yet through it, Jesus could declare, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. What a joy to know this gift was offered, this sacrifice was made. For every victory won, there is a price to be paid. And the price of our salvation came through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we're reminded by President Wilson's words to look back and and consider the cost that was paid, we as Christians need to remember, we need to be reminded, we need to look back and thank God for the cost of saving us, for the cost of giving us a home in heaven, for the cost of offering unto us redemption through the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only did President Wilson talk about looking back at the past, but he talked about a present responsibility in regard to our observance on this day. He said, for gratitude for the victory because of the thing from which it has freed us. A blessed nation expresses gratitude for those who have given of themselves to provide us with so much. A grateful nation not only shows appreciation to those who have served, but also why they served. Let us not forget that the freedoms we rightly enjoy today are due to the sacrifice made by those men and women who have served our nation in the armed forces. Whether you go back to the days of the revolution when this nation was born throughout the history of our country to this very day, we today enjoy the freedoms as citizens and of this great land because of the price that was paid by those who stood up and said, we will defend our nation and we ought to be thankful for what that has brought about what blessings we have been able to enjoy as a result of this great sacrifice army specialist jack mcmurray wrote 
It is the veteran, not the preacher, who has given us the freedom of religion. It is the veteran, not the reporter, who has given us the freedom of the press. It is the veteran, not the poet, who has given us the freedom of speech. It is the veteran, not the campus organizer, who has given us the freedom to assemble. It is the veteran, not the lawyer, who has given us the right to fair trial. It is the veteran, not the politician, who has given us the right to vote. We enjoy the rights and privileges and freedoms today that we have as a result of those who stood in defense of our country and won freedoms at a price, at great cost, but did so for the sake of preserving this great nation, a nation that was founded upon God's principles. And we thank the Lord for that. And we are grateful for every man and woman who has served or is serving in that capacity in defense of our nations and our freedoms. The tragedy is those freedoms are being taken away. They're taken away wholesale as a result of those who are turning this nation in another direction from the founding fathers' intent. They are moving our nation towards socialism. They are trying to turn us into a nation equal to or similar to those of other countries around the world. Beloved, do they not get the lesson? Socialism and communism does not work as a system of government. All you have to do is look at the Soviet bloc nations. Look at the USSR. Look at Venezuela. Look at many countries around the world and see they are not flourishing under a corrupt governmental system. Our nation was founded upon the principles and presets set forth in the Word of God and as a result, God has blessed this nation and we are grateful today for that. But as Christians... As Christians, we have the responsibility to acknowledge we enjoy freedoms and great blessings that God has poured out upon us as a result of trusting in Christ as our Savior. We are ever grateful for His goodness, but it's not limited to the area of patriotism. Our gratitude ought to be a matter of importance in every aspect of our life. Psalm 50 verse 14 says, Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. Psalm 107 22, And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Psalm 116 verse 17, I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. Hebrews 13, 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Ingratitude is reprehensible and inexcusable when it is a part of the Christian's demeanor or behavior. Apathy Disdain, selfishness, pride, and many other such sins have no place in the heart of a Christian. We must ever be thankful for what God has done for us and from where he has delivered us. If I could digress for a moment, we listen to mindless ingrates complaining about our country. We see it nearly every day on the news now, don't we? We don't like it. And we stand up and say, if you don't like it, leave. 
love America or leave it. That is the heart of a patriot. That is the voice of someone who is grateful for this great land. And rightly so, by the way. Love America or leave it. Yet, as Christians, we sometimes excuse our ungrateful attitude toward a loving God who has done so much for us. Consider some of the blessings he's bestowed upon us. He saved us. Psalm 40, verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings, and hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it, and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. We ought to be grateful for the blessing of salvation, and go from there. He sanctifies us, 1 Corinthians 6.11. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Thank the Lord that he cleanses us, makes us clean in his sight. He strengthens us. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. He supplies our need. Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He secures us. Ephesians 1.13 In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Aren't you glad today to know that you don't have to work to maintain your salvation? It was a gift of God offered freely to us, and we simply rejoice in knowing that God has saved us and promised to call us unto heaven one day when we leave this life and this world. What a blessing to know God stands before us as our heavenly Father and looks forward to the day when we are with Him. Oh, He also satisfies us. Psalm 107, verse 8. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wondrous, wonderful works to the children of men. For He satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. All because of His sacrifice, we now have a new heart. A new home, a new walk, a new way, a new will, a new song, a new spirit, a new surety, a new life, a new love, a new purpose, a new father, a new family, a new name. All of this and much more because of what he has done for us. Now we can sing. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. We can see redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Or saved, saved, saved. What a blessing to know. We ought to be thankful for what this great victory has done and freed us from. For it's freed us from the clutches of sin. It's freed us from the power of Satan. And it's given us a hope that we might one day be in heaven with him. Oh, let us be like the Apostle Paul admonished us. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. We look back and remember the cost of this victory. We recognize the blessing that comes as a result of this great victory. But we also recognize the prospects or the opportunities of this victory. President Wilson in his message, in his speech, went, uh, went on to say, because of the opportunity it has given America 
to show her sympathy with peace and justice in the councils of the nations. You know, never has there been a nation as generous as the United States of America. We have sent billions of dollars in food, funds, and aid to the four corners of the globe to rebuild countries that have been devastated by natural disasters, famines, disease, and war. By the way, this includes nations like Germany, Italy, Japan, Iraq, and others who stood as our enemy. Why? Because a nation founded upon the principles of the Word of God recognizes the need to be compassionate to those who stood against her. Our country has done much to rebuild the nations of those who at one time were our enemies. As Christians, we have the responsibility to declare to a lost and dying world that Jesus Christ is not just one of many solutions, but he is the only answer for their soul's needs. One of the teachings of Jesus is that we love our enemies. Our goal, our desire, our intent ought not to be to drive people away from Christ, but to draw them to him. Oh, how we need to recognize our responsibility in this great victory. Looking back at the cost, recognizing the blessings, but look forward to the opportunities, future doors that God might open to us, that we in turn might tell others of this good news. Jesus said, peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. How did he come? How did his Father send him? His Father sent him to serve. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And in going, he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Not leaving anybody out, not overlooking anyone, not denying this great message of joy to some because of their race, color, or creed. No, we have the responsibility to get the gospel to whosoever will that they in turn may be saved. What is that message? Repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. And then Matthew chapter 28 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And he's promised to be with us. How do we do that? Through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. See, how does a nation like America look at a previous enemy and say, We want to help you, we want to rebuild, we want you to get back on your feet? You do so through compassion and kindness. How do we as Christians look at those who stand as enemies of the cross? We look at them as sheep without a shepherd. We look at those who are lost and undone without hope. And we offer to them through words of compassion this great message. Jesus saves That's the message the world needs to hear today. That's the responsibility for us as Christians, that whosoever will may come. What a joy to know God has saved us and given us the privilege of bearing this good news to others. 
The challenge is we don't have a lot of time. Jesus himself said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Someone has said the prospects are as bright as the promises of God. We have great opportunities before us. Every one of us come into contact with people, if not every day, then most every day, who aren't saved, who need to hear this wondrous message. All that we would take the opportunity to tell them this good news. President Wilson, in his observance of that first Armistice Day, called attention to the fact that we need to remember the price that was paid. We need to demonstrate our pleasure for what we have gained as a result of this victory. And we need to recognize the responsibility or the possibilities that stand before us in reaching others and bringing about healing and forgiveness. We as Christians must remember on Calvary's cross a great price was paid We have been freed as a result of that price that was paid. We have been freed from the penalty of sin by trusting in Christ. And we need to look forward to the opportunities that God places before us that we in turn might reach as many as he will allow us to do. Let me close with this thought. In a speech by Omar Bradley, Omar Bradley had a distinguished military career. During World War II, he commanded the 2nd Army Corps in North Africa. He went on to be the senior commander of the U.S. ground forces in 44 and 45 in the invasion of France. August of 44, he led the 12th Army Group in France and Germany, consisting of a million men from four armies. He was chief of staff of the U.S. Army from 48 to 49 and became five-star general of the Army in 1950. He was also the first chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff from 49 to 53. He, in an address on November 11th, 1948, again an Armistice Day observance, made this remark. We have grasped the mystery of the atom and rejected the Sermon on the Mount. The world has achieved brilliance without conscience. Ours is a world of nuclear giants and ethical infants. We are faced with a great task of reaching the unknowing with the unsearchable riches of Christ. Looking back, remembering the price that was paid, realizing the benefits that came as a result of that wondrous gift of salvation, and recognizing the opportunities that lie ahead as we choose to live for the Lord and seek to reach others for Jesus Christ.